Welcome to the Agoracom podcast, where investors discover great small cap companies. Thank you for taking Agoracom with you and make sure to follow our podcast. Welcome to Beyond the Press Release, a production of Gorecom, in which we take the time to speak small cap executives after they put out big news and you got 37.3 million good news reasons uh, to watch or listen to this podcast, this interview. We got Brent Suen, CEO uh, and executive chairman of Logic Inc. Trades in both Canada and the U.S. under the stock symbol LGIQ. They just put out their massive full year numbers for fiscal 21. Got a great research report out of research capital we're going to talk about. But for those of you who are new to the story, here's what you need to know, because you may be seeing these headline numbers saying, hey, who are these guys? So what I love about Logic is they are the Agoracom of the e-commerce world. So Agoracom helps small, mid-sized companies win the attention of investors. Well, Logic helps small to medium businesses compete against mega brands in e-commerce. And we know that the global e-commerce market is now about $10 trillion. Uh, that's global, but mega, mega brands control about 70% of that uh, of, of that in the U.S. market alone uh, and makes it hard for small, medium businesses to compete. That's where Logic comes in. They're an award-winning uh, e-commerce and fintech company that's addressing this problem. More than just lip service, here are some of the highlights from the numbers. I already told you, revenue, $37.3 million. Gross profit, this is a number that I love, up 74% to just over $11 million. Why? Because gross margin increased from 16.8% to 29.6. So say from 17 to 30, that's massive margin jump. And their Q4 kind of shows us what may be coming forward. Uh, massive two times over Q4 the year before, $13 million. That's why the company's projecting uh, 2022 revenue to come in somewhere between 50 and $75 million for the upcoming fiscal year. Bottom line is they're hitting it out of the park. Brent, welcome back, my friend. Hey, George. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Hey, love having you. These are fantastic numbers. Uh, how happy are you guys with the results? How happy should shareholders be with these results? That is a, that's a great question. Um, with, the, with the team and certainly myself, we are, we're thrilled. It was, it was a fantastic year. Um, it, it actually exceeded expectations. We, we really set out to uh, build up the gross margins and we, we did that. We also had sequential growth on the revenue side. Um, and as we've indicated, this year, we expect to exceed 50 million, possibly as much as 75 million. I would add in that that is with some additional tuck-in acquisitions. Um, we did just close um, the acquisition of Battlebridge um, just last week. Um, that will add about 4 million in revenues and about a million five in EBITDA this year. Um, and we expect to, by the end of this year, um, be exiting um, on our way to break even and then profitability into next year, which, which frankly, you, you don't see that in, in the sector that we operate in. And a big part of that is margin growth, right? Uh, uh, your revenue growth was, was okay because, it, like I said, it's sequential, but you weren't focusing on revenue growth. Why was it you focused more on margin growth and how did you do that? Was it you got rid of low margin business. So you gave up revenue 
in order to become a more efficient company? Explain that to us. Sure. Um, that's exactly what we did. Back in back in um, middle of 2020, we came out and we announced that we were cutting off um, lower margin um, customer business in transitioning to higher margin. Um, we said we would we would we would drop in revenues as the as the margins increased and we would scale back up. We literally did. Um, you know, we have this conversation all the time. Um, where would you guys have been on a revenue basis if you wouldn't have done that? Well, you know, I th I think if you look at the margin profile today versus a year ago, that's the equivalent of doubling the revenue. So, you know, when we get complaints from people saying, "Oh, but your 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 revenues were just incrementally better." They're not looking at the at the gross margin profile in a year from now. If they're not looking at it, they're going to miss the opportunity that that not only have we grown revenues in a very in a very strong way, but the margins have continued to improve to the point where we're on track for profitability. Which, you know, it's it's a bit of an odd thing because companies in the sector don't aim towards profitability; they aim more towards towards market share. Um, but the way we're achieving that is through. Um, some of the acquisitions we've made in the past, which were um, to add into the product mix, which carries substantially higher margins, which we're starting to see. So I think next year is going to look even more dramatic, and it could be as high as 50% gross margins, which really puts you up there with Trade Desk wow. and Magnite. Wow. So you might, you, might, you might really have that same kind of margin uh, jump again. Yeah, and, and I think everyone, I think that's, I'm glad you said that because having a 30% margin versus 17% is essentially like doubling your revenue base. So why grind harder at a lower margin? That means you're all working harder. The whole machine is working harder just to squeak out that much more money. I think what you guys did is genius. And yeah, it takes a little guts to tell your shareholders, hey, we're not going to focus. We're actually going to drop a lot of revenue off in order to do this. But uh, now you're here, and, and I think I think that was that was really smart, of you guys. Let's talk about your uh, let's talk about research capital. Uh, they came out with a, a buy rating and a target price of two dollars and twenty cents on the company. Uh, before we even talk about that, though, I think it's important for people to know who is research capital because this isn't Goldman Sachs or J.P. Morgan, right? So I think it's important a for them to know you know who research capital is and. How much time did they spend on this? Because it's like a 28-page report. This, this was really thoroughly done. Let's talk a little bit about that before we get into the numbers. Sure, sure. So, um, <clears throat> you know, th there, there was a bit of disappointment expressed on our, on our conference call for the end of the year um, that, uh, that research capital came out with such a low target price. But, but let, let me, let, let's unpack that a little bit. Um, you know, I, I, I don't, tell shareholders that our sell the sell-off in our price is market related only or sector related only um, you know for other reasons that we've described on this call I mean there's been some warrant overhang in the past but um, I would I would say that that if you look at our business it is primarily in two two areas lead generation or performance and results driven marketing um, which comparables in that sector, companies like Fluent and Zeta that do nothing but that um, and have lower margins, incidentally, um, do trade at multiples of about one to two times revenues. Um, 
However, they do not have the, the demand side platform or DSP as it's called, which we got when we acquired Rebel AI last year. That is exactly what the Trade Desk and what Magnite and LiveRamp do. And the margins on those are 50, 60%. Those trade at monstrous valuations, 10, 20 times revenues, okay? Now that percentage of our business is nascent but growing because we just acquired them last year and started the integration. Now, you combine those two businesses together, it makes perfect sense from a client perspective and there's plenty of cross-selling opportunities. And now that Battlebridge is in, even more so. So one thing that, that Vin over at Research Capital did, and, and you know, I, I applaud him for doing so, he spent seven weeks working on this. And I'll tell you, he, it wasn't just, he, he didn't just talk to us. We probably put in 12 hours of calls with him all in, but he was on with other companies doing channel checks. He did a tremendous amount of work because the, 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 the pro progression each time we spoke to him, he knows the industry as well as, as, as research analysts who have nothing but a focus here. So what he did, and he told us, he said, look, I'm taking an ultra conservative approach. I'm going to put you guys in with our other lead generation companies and let, let you show the story and the progression. What we can do is certainly over-deliver and I'll track upwards. You guys come in and you show that margin improvement. My target price will, will absolutely rise um, upon execution. So I get it and that's fine. That's actually more of an institutional approach. Yeah, and that is right because they don't need to roll the dice or go make a hero call on you just yet because I calculated that at 220, which by the way, would be a nice game from here. Uh, no way you complain about that, but 220, it gives you a market cap of, you know, give or take $55 million, which would put you at about one times revenue next year uh, and probably, you know, three times earnings or something like that. Uh, but I guess what they're waiting for is let's make sure logic executes uh, and then we can always, always readjust. So what are some of the catalysts? Because they did say uh, there are multiple, I'm reading this. There are multiple levers for re-rating of logic valuation multiple. So research capital has already talked about that possibility. Uh, what are some of those levers? I know, I know there's M&A, but uh, so we've talked about that. Uh, what is it organic? You know, how are things looking on the organic growth side? Well, let's look at it from a top-down perspective. So, so on a macro level, um, he is he is he is accounting for. It, um, uh, valuation expansion in our sector, because actually valuations are, are at, at some of the lowest levels, including during COVID. Um, so that's on a macro view. If you look at what's going on within the industry, there's a tremendous amount of consolidation. I mean, we had 88 companies in our pipeline that we were looking at inbound M&A on. I'd say that half of them are gone. They've been acquired. Um, and look, frankly, we got outbid on a lot of stuff. Um, it's not great, but what is great is it's, it's indicative of consolidation in the industry. And that's one thing that Vin went out and did a ton of work on. Um, and so does it make us a target? It, it absolutely does. Um, and have we had conversations? We've been approached. We have been approached. We've spent a lot of time on discussions. The, the beauty of those, George, and the reason I'm saying it publicly is because 
Um, the worst case scenario that came from those is business related opportunities. So um, some strategic initiatives are underway, which is great. Um, so he's looking at it from that perspective. And then also what I mentioned earlier, the DSP business through Rebel AI, um, any, any increase on the sales side there um, makes our margins increase significantly. Yeah. And then one other thing that, that, that he discovered when we were um, talking to him about Battle Bridge, and we also announced this publicly, um, Battle Bridge handles work for about 30, 30 clients. And um, they, like we did, cut out a lot of low margin business last year. Um, turns out that all of their clients are doing um, Facebook and Google ads through BattleBridge, but what they're not doing through BattleBridge is what's called programmatic advertising. So, you know, going out and advertising on places like, uh, you know, like agoracom.com, um, CNN, Wall Street Journal, Forbes, wherever, um, wherever you can place an ad, um, they are doing that, but not through BattleBridge because BattleBridge currently, well, formerly did not have that, um, that, 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 that in-house ability. Through us and Rebel AI, they now do have that. And what does that mean? Well, they actually went out to all 30 customers and asked them what percentage of their business outside they're doing on programmatic. And it's about twice the amount that they're doing with BattleBridge. So and and the likelihood of them actually maybe even bringing that uh, in-house. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that could incrementally add another you know, one to three million in revenues, but the margins on that are upwards of 50%. So there's some internal le le levers and some uh, bigger picture ones in mid-range ones that all, all segue into Vin's thinking. And I think that, that he'll be, he'll be right. And, and by the way, something great that they had in there, here's, a, I, I found this, I don't know how many people noticed this is, I'm reading, we expect Logic's revenue to grow by around 36% compounded annual growth rate over the next three years. So if you kind of do some quick math, you know, 37 million times 36%, call that, you know, 13, 14 million takes you to 51. Then another 36% there takes you just under 70-ish or so. And then another 36% from there, you know, you're between 90 and 100 million. Um, you know, so that's gotta, that, that's gotta be a bright spot that, that, uh, you guys gotta be feeling good about that they picked up on. We do. We do. We're, we're, we're very pleased with the, with the work that he did. You don't find that a lot of times. Um, and it was, it was nice to see my colleague, John McNeil, who, who you've spoken with recently, George, he was on the buy side for 11 years. He was at, at Schroeder's and he was the portfolio manager of their $300 million global tech fund. So he's got extensive experience on the buy side. And he said that the type of work that Vin did is, is um, indicative of, of an institutional analyst. So yeah, we're very pleased about that. Could the target price be higher? It, it, it could be, but we'll get there. And institutional analysts always raise their targets when a company executes. They really do, right? They really do. Yeah. They don't need to make a hero call, right? They don't they yeah. just need to do that. So that, that makes sense. Uh, let's talk about last thing, the spinoff and how, how it's going. Uh, this is for GoLogic. I know you're slated to close that mid-2022. Uh, talk to us because that's going to be a nice bonus for all, for all the shareholders as well. That is going to be a, a big surprise. And when I say <laughs> surprise, um, 
although I'm although I'm on the board, I am not doing the day to day. Um, they're taking a different approach. The press release side, they are only going to file with the SEC when a definitive agreement is signed. Um, we have spoken in the past that um, there are some things underway. Um, the float is is tiny. It's 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 four hundred eleven thousand shares, of which I actually know where all those shares are, and no one's letting go, letting them go. I I get these I get calls every day. In fact, I was awakened to one at six a.m. Is that really an eight dollar per share price on uh, on on your spinoff? And I said, yeah, it is. They said, well, is that artificial or is that real? I said, it's both because the the float's tiny. I mean, if they announced what they're doing now. What's terrifying is is with that low float, it could go to $100. That's scary because that's when the regulators start to perk up and you don't want that. At the same time, if, if, if it's executed well and these things are set, are set in motion and executed on and finalized as we complete the distribution middle of this year, um, you will see um, the liquidity start to come in. And frankly, I wouldn't be surprised to, to see this level maintain, if not exceed. It puts us at about a $250 million valuation just on the spinoff. And is that fairly valued? I think it's not overvalued if you look at the comps and you look at the peers based on what we own, what the re revenues are, what they've got on the partnership side. Um, so that's going to be a real nice uh, bonus for, for shareholders. Um, the ones who owned it as of December 30th get one for one shares for every um, share of logic. Um, and then I would also point out, which most people don't know because they didn't dig in, um, is that logic still owns 18% of that. So although it doesn't trade a lot, I mean, you pencil it out, that's the value just of the holdings that logic Inc. has are about $30 million. Our market cap is 25. So that's just for that ownership of that business. So when do we hear more about, uh, you know, we're in April right now, mid 2022 technically is, you know, June 15th. So we're not that far away. Uh, when do you expect us all to hear, to hear more? I think we're going to be in a position where, where we're going to have to, to file and announce um, within the next 30 days. Cause I've seen some, I, I've signed some, some uh, NDAs recently that, that are progressing very well from what I understand from the team. And this is not a new team. This is this is the team that I co-founded um, Logic's former iteration, Wayland Tech, with uh, eight years ago. So they've been operating in Southeast Asia for longer than that. And they've been working with us. They're just, uh, they're running it without me now, which is probably a, a good thing for them. Well, listen, that's exciting. It's like that cherry on top of the, uh, on top of the cake, but, Let's not forget that you guys turned in a fantastic year of uh, revenue, margin, margin growth, uh, projected revenue. Uh, so I congratulate to you guys. And Brent, I'm sure we're going to have you on pretty soon just to, uh, to talk about uh, the spinoff and, uh, and when that becomes official. But today, congratulations to you and the team, my friend. Thank you, sir. I'll, I'll let them know. We're all very proud. For everybody at home, you've been watching or you've been listening by podcast to Brent Suen. CEO, Executive Chairman of Logic Inc. Trades both in Canada and the U.S. under the stock symbol LGIQ. For those new to the story, as always, how to do your due diligence. First, 
get to the company's profile page on Agoracom because this is you know, a lot of moving parts here, a lot of great businesses, a lot of new technology. We give you that good thousand foot overview, great layover. And then when you come with that, click right through the Logic website, do your deep dive due diligence. Because guys, you believe in the future of, uh, of e-commerce, mobile, and everything that goes into it. And now that you've seen Logic's numbers and you've seen what Research Capital has to say as far as their speculative buy rating, it, we can't tell you what to do, but hey, it behooves you to do due diligence. Just don't tell us 12 months from now that we didn't tell you something. Thanks for joining us. Have a great day. See you next time. Thanks, George. Hey guys, this podcast is over. But don't forget to help your company by liking it or even leaving a comment. And then don't forget to help yourself by following us on Spotify, Google, Apple, or on your favorite podcast platform so you will never miss another one great Agoracom Small Cap Podcast.